What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a very special one. We are once a join, once again, joined by my friend and yours, Jason Quick of the Athletic. Jason, how you doing, man? Michael, I'm doing very well. It's a very big week. Not only is it trade deadline on Thursday, but I am getting vaccinated on Thursday. Hey, your and first, I am pumped. Your first, first one, yeah, awesome. Yes. So you're you're about a month away from having something that looks like a normal life again. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be able to leave my house. All right. Well, um, so I'm pretty pumped. Big week. Big. Week. That's huge. I'm happy for you. I'm. Um, I'm. Not, I'm. I'm waiting to get on the list. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Jason, we're recording this on Monday morning. Uh, Sunday night was quite an experience for your Portland Trailblazers. What do you make of a 40-point loss last night against the Dallas Mavericks? Oh, you know, Mike, I was thinking about this. This has been quite a season as far, like, inside my mind with the Trailblazers. Yeah. There are times when I think this team just sucks. And they have got no chance in the playoffs. And then there's times I'm like, you know what? They play D at the right times. They've got the best closer in the game and Damian Lillard. They, this team can, is pretty good. I mean, look at their record. They're pretty good. So I, I've really vacillated between, you know, both scenarios and I don't know where they are right now. I I think they're decent. I think they're a decent team. Um, And I think in this season, the way that the schedule set up and how run down people are, I think nights like last night, a 40 point loss are uh, we've seen that they, they happen more frequently than in years past. So, uh, so I, I'm not, I wouldn't be overly concerned if you're a Blazer fan, but at the same token, uh, you never like to see uh, a team perform like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think that this is this was like a shooting luck game. The Blazers couldn't make any shots. Dallas made all the shots. But like that explains right. like a 15-point, 18-point loss. There's another 20 points you have to account for where the Blazers just were hapless. So like, I, I do think... In general, you kind of throw out these weird outlier blowouts. You say like, okay, yeah. this was a weird game. But it's also like, I don't know. I don't think the really good teams lose by 40 at home. I don't think the really good teams have the worst loss in franchise history at home, even even with all the factors, right? Like, yeah. I, I think well, the Clippers, lower level. Clippers have, gotten, Clippers have gotten blown out pretty bad this year True. a couple of times. Including once to these um, very Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, like, how many times is Luka Doncic going to hit his first eight three-pointers? Yeah, he literally Not bounced to often. himself after the eighth one. Oh, my God. He was just <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, boy, I'm hot. This is fun. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the thing that makes it concerning is, obviously, the defense has been such a big topic for the Blazers, and it's such a hypersensitive uh, area for them right now. And you just don't like seeing them give up. 132, you know, 38 in the second quarter, 38 in the third quarter. Yeah, that's first not 19 a good sign after because, half time. Yeah, so that's what makes it a little bit 
more raw, I think, and mm-hmm. and more, you know, a l- little more difficult than to, to just discard and say, well, that night happened. Well, this nights kind of like this have been happening throughout the year where they give up just the gobs of points, you know? Yeah. And they haven't got one of these on their own. Like their wins, you know, the majority of their wins seem to be close, seem to be, you know, games decided because right. they're so good at winning down the, like, but like, you know, the sign of a good team is just like every so often you beat the snot out of someone and they just really haven't done that. And I think to me, that's the, it's not that like this one is so bad. It's that they don't have a balance on the other end where it's like, Oh, well, remember when they won by 30, you know, 33 against the Kings or whatever it was like, they just, they don't have one right. of those games you can point to. Where it's like, well, you know, sometimes it works the other way. Yeah. And you know what? I'm like, I struggle with this, this season, you know, as a person who covers the team, like, it's a great deal of my life. Like every day I'm thinking about the Blazers. Right. Every game I'm watching every play. And so I think sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in it. And so like uh, you, you dwell on the, the shortcomings so much. And sometimes I think I need to take a step back and go, man, this team hasn't had Nurk and CJ for a huge part of the year. And they're 25 and 17. And it's been pretty fun. There's been yeah. a lot of moments where this team has been entertaining and, you know, the games have been dramatic. This has been a fun season overall. And I think we can't lose sight of that. And I, I feel like sometimes I have because I'm, I've got my head so far in it. But I tried last night, matter of fact, to kind of take a step back and go, you know what? It's still remarkable. This team is 25 and 17. And uh, so – uh, again, you know, getting back to your original thing, like I have a lot of emotions swirling about this team. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. I don't know if they could be great, but all I know is that this has been a pretty fun season and it's pretty remarkable to see where they are right now. Yeah. I, I think there's something to sort of how you treat the bigger picture. Uh, like if you're just saying like, is this team pretty good? Undeniable. Is this team pretty entertaining? Yeah. Yes. Very entertaining. One of the more entertaining seasons, you know, i this is my eighth year, I think ninth year, eighth year being around, you know, following this team closely as a part of my, um, paying profession as opposed to just a basketball dork. And, uh, this has been fun, like undeniably fun, but they've placed expectations on themselves that are higher and they don't like if they talk about championships and Dame talks about wanting to do it and, and it just, there's a, there's an anxiety about how good Dame is and him being 30 years old and all of these things. And like, that's wrapped baked into this season. So I think it's harder for it to be from like, particularly a fan perspective and maybe even from, from you and I covering the team is like, it's harder to say, this is so much fun when you kind of um, when you zoom out enough to like realize what the Blazers you know, fancy themselves being, I guess. True. Like, True. But also you're, you're taking out the NERC CJ element totally. out of the totally. equation. I'm saying right now in this, in this eight to 10 week window that they've been without CJ and NERC, it's, it's, you have to feel okay about it. Yeah. Cause they should be good bad. about it. Yeah. They should be bad and it, they haven't been bad yet. It's going to be really interesting when NERC gets back and to see, what this team looks like uh, with him in the lineup. Let's let's talk a little bit about Nurk and sort of what's next for the Blazers in, in the second segment. But first, I want to tell my listeners about Theragun. 
don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day sitting in front of his computer screen. You can get through a day tension-free and Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld per percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. It's got an OLED screen and a design to make you feel like you're holding something from the future. So just go to their website and check it out. And the Theragun app will learn from your behaviors and suggest guided routines. So if you want to try Theragun, here's what you do. They're giving you a 30-day deal at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Theragun for your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. Today's episode is also brought to you by betonline.ag. There's just no faster, easier way to bet on all your sports action. It is, while I'm talking to you right now, it is NCAA tournament week. This is absolutely one of the great betting months of all of all year here in the U.S. So make sure you go to betonline.ag where they've got real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine. You can bet on the games, the lines, the spreads, point totals. Like I said, anything you can imagine. They got you covered for the news, the scores, all of it in real time. It's just the best place to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag. You can do that on your phone or your computer. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Right. Still chatting here with Jason Quick of The Athletic. Jason, you mentioned before we headed into the break about uh, Yusuf Nurkic returning. He has, we've got an update on the injury report. Basically, the injury report has shifted around Yusuf Nurkic. He is no longer being listed as out with a wrist injury, fractured wrist. It is now a calf injury. What do you know about, or do you know about sort of the details of that calf injury? I know very little. Um, it's just since March 17th, uh, the team took off the wrist on the injury report. It used to be wrist and, uh, and then they added the calf somewhere around the all-star break. And right. now it's just the calf since March 17th, it's just the calf. So, um, you know, this is eerily similar to, uh, last season when he was slated to make a comeback and he had a calf set back that set him back about a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, Harry Giles just had a calf strain that, you know, set him back for several weeks, but, uh, from, you know, all indications, I think Nurk should be back by next week. Uh, and so that's when the season really begins for the Blazers. I'm sure there will be an acclimation process where, you know, much like CJ that they kind of inch him in on a minutes restriction, probably around 20 minutes. Then they'll probably try to get to 25. Um, so I think probably by mid-April, Nurk and CJ should be, you know, playing their regular minutes, and this team should uh, be trying to get their stride heading into the playoffs. 
do you anticipate Nurk being a 30 minute a night guy, even at full strength? Like early in the season, him and Ennis were kind of splitting the minutes down the middle. Um, do you, do you anticipate that Nurk gets back in that, you know, 30, 32 minute range or how, how do you see that playing out? Or I guess we, do we not know? I think it's going to be totally uh, incumbent upon how he plays. Sure. You know, this is, this is not a time to be appeasing people and uh, meeting minute goals this is a time to win games and i think terry stotts is going to go with whoever's playing best and the thing is is i don't i don't think ennis is the one in the equation i think it's robert covington yeah i was gonna ask you have really really started gravitating toward that small lineup they like how that small lineup with covington at the five and carmelo at the four that's been stotts's favorite lineup yeah, and he's gone uh, to lately, it against so. he's gone to it against bigger guys because he just trusts Rocco and he he likes the defensive versatility. Um, obviously, some of that right. is probably Cantor's limitations defensively, but um, yeah, I I do think uh, they've found something well, going small. Go ahead. And it's also it's also an offensive weapon because Absolutely. he likes Stotts likes having five shooters on the on the floor, so that's part of what you know the spacing and all that. Uh, so that's part of his motivation there. So I think that's what's going to be the interesting tug of war with Terry Stotts is do we go our traditional big lineup with Nurk at center or do we like to get to that small lineup with Covington at center? Yeah, and how do you sort of balance that opponent by opponent? Do you, you know, do you make that decision only in the fourth quarter or do you do it in the first half? Like there's a lot of lot to balance there, I think for sure because I agree that, you know, Covington at the 5 has been valuable and it's kind of the way the league is headed like that's what mm-hmm. it, that's what teams in the playoffs do is they go small and they say they say here are a bunch of dudes who are six foot nine with defensive versatility and, and ability to space on offense like that's that's what the highest level of basketball tends to look like so the yeah. Blazers kind of like getting a, a lineup that can do that is valuable for the future you know if you if you see this team being a you know a tough playoff out and, and just as a Side note right now. Yeah. I mean, Robert Covington has turned out to be so good for this team. Yeah. He has been incredibly invaluable. And especially now that he's hitting three pointers. And I, I think he's thing. become the bricks he's become, were really holding him back for a little bit, but now he can right. uh, and he's become more aggressive. I think he's attacking the basket more, but just as a whole, his defense now, if you really watch him, he is incredibly, incredibly disruptive. And just makes an impact nightly on the defensive end of the floor. And then, as we just said, you know, you add his three-point shooting to that, and he has become really, really good. Uh, it, he's, it took him a while. Um, I thought he was kind of a disappointment probably through the first, you know, four to six weeks of the season. But yeah. last couple of months, he has been just a monster for this team. Yeah, well, he was supposed to be their quote-unquote fourth best player, and he wasn't that early on, right? Like he wasn't even as right. good as Gary Trent Jr. And it was like, okay, what you know, you you just you're looking for more from that. But he's, I mean, he has been. I think you wrote this, and I would agree. Like, I think he's been their second best player for the last six weeks. Absolutely, absolutely, and I I think now he's probably their third best player now that CJ's back. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this can't you can't say it enough just how valuable he's been. Uh, so that's it's been nice to see. 
uh, as long as we're sort of talking about minutes and rotations, seems like Anthony Simons has has is the odd man out mm-hmm. with the new uh, rotation back. That, that's that doesn't surprise me. I kind of would have guessed that that's how it would have shaken out. Um, is there anything else in sort of since CJ has returned that has stuck out to you about how like the rotation has changed over the last four or five games? Well, I, I think obviously the the real wild card in all this is how Stotts is going to use Rodney Hood. Yep, and. It's been surprising to me that Hood this year, more than any, any of his other seasons, has been played more at shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was always a three for the Blazers. Yeah, they even and played him at year, power forward a little bit before he got hurt last year. Right. Uh, and this year, he's been almost exclusively a shooting guard. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I think we talked the last time I was on this podcast about Stotts' biggest decision is between Nasir and and Rodney, but they've been playing alongside each other for a, yes. for a lot of this. Uh, so that's the Rodney Hood um, element to this team is intriguing to me right now. But I also think that if the Blazers are going to make a significant trade, that Rodney Hood will be involved in it this week. Yeah, I mean, um, just because. Say- yeah. Just from a contract st- standpoint, you know, right. he, he makes $10 million. It's more or less expiring because the next year is, is not guaranteed. Right. Um, but I still think the Blazers are going to be, they're looking for the buyout market as their way out of this. Um, but anyway, so the, to your greater point, uh, that's what intrigues me right now about stocks and the, the rotation and all, all that is how he uses Rodney Hood on a nightly basis. And we saw the other night against uh dallas you know he played him the entire fourth quarter and yeah. rodney and, was very good and in that so, comeback over new orleans he said we suck rodney can you go guard brandon ingram and like right. that is not a thing that i would have guessed but it worked out really well like um he you know ingram missed some shots but also just like having a bigger guy on him a bigger body on him helped um and it, you know it i guess i'm just like you know basing this off some results like uh, Rodney Hood wouldn't have been my choice or my guess. And yet here he yeah. was helping them come back from that game with a nice defensive performance and then playing down the stretch against Dallas too. Like he's, he's kind of, he's, he's been the choice because I think of his size on defense that Stotts is more comfortable with him. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily his size, but I, I think it's helped too that Nasir has cooled off from three point range. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I just think that Terry has a history of kind of leaning towards veterans and guys who's, who have done it before. And I think we are really seeing that with Rodney right now, you know, when it, Nasir, Gary, Rodney, I'm going to go Rodney. And, uh, so uh, I think it's, it's another thing for Stotts. Uh, you know, he likes having that kind of security blanket of, of a guy who's been, been through these kind of games and been through these type of moments. And I, I think he feels really secure with Rodney in there. 
Yeah, I think it's a low level of um, F-ups. Like like Nazir Little, sometimes if you watch him, uh, Carmelo Anthony is screaming at him where to be on offense. Like, hey, go through. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of pointing on defense. Just He doesn't have a lot of reps. It's, you know, like not that Rodney is yeah. just like elite defensive player, but Nazir Little has limited, he just hasn't seen a ton of action and he makes some mistakes. And um, one of the things that Terry hates the most, he hates the two things he hates the most are Jason Quick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Very uh, true. The, the two things he hates the most are, are tardiness and forgetting a play. And uh, yeah. uh, he, if you forget a play, Terry will just, he'll be, or you don't go to the right spot. He will be so mad. Um, so I think there is some, there's something, I mean, that plays into the preferring older guys because it's like, they're, they're not going to screw up. He doesn't have to worry about them being in the wrong spot, which is a real pet peeve of his. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's Mario Hazonia. That, that was Mario's oh, biggest bugaboo. He couldn't remember where to be and all that. So I think. Uh, Terry doesn't really right. have a yell guy this year. You know, now that Myers and Mario are gone, like who, who is Terry just like sort of just absolutely just screaming at at all times on the court? You know, I'm not in the arena, so I don't get to see it up close, but I don't know if he has a yell guy this year. That might be one of his issues. Yeah, I think I, I'd probably turn into his yell guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might forget the place too. They happen fast out there. I could see, <laughs> I could see how you would have some issues. Uh, let's come no, back. He just takes all of his frustration out on me. Yeah, he's just he's so upset. He hasn't had to yell at anyone for two and a half hours of a basketball game. It's like, just wait till this Zoom call fires up. I am going to get this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, let's, let's come back and talk a little bit about the trade deadline. It's, this is a big week in the NBA. It could be a big week for the Blazers. Although, uh, you know, maybe you've already alluded to it, uh, tampering our expectations a bit. So let's talk about that in the third segment, but first I want to tell y'all about blue chew. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Blue chew's tablets co- combat all forms of ED and can help you gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem there. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are also made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct so it's cheaper than the pharmacy. And I've got a special deal for my listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code locked on at checkout. It's just fi- it's, you just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code is locked on and you receive a first month free. Thanks to Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar. I've been telling you about it forever, but ain't nothing changed. It's still the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. But now it's time to figure out which is the best Built Bar. That's right. It's Built Bar Madness. They've got a bracket for you set up. And today's matchup is coconut versus birthday cake. This one's an easy one for me. I'm a, I am like the coconut flavor. This great, it's great combo with the chocolate. Birthday cake is, if you're a white chocolate person, birthday cake's got sprinkles, white chocolate on there. It's, it's a unique look. But for me, coconut's a winner. It's moving on. If you want to 
vote in this matchup or uh, or get your own Built Bars. Here's what you do. You go to BuiltBar.com or visit them on Twitter at bar underscore built. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And make sure you check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers and Phil chatting here with Jason Quick of The Athletic. Jason, it's a big week in the NBA or it might be a quiet week in the NBA. I guess we'll find out, but it is. The trade deadline is on March 25th. The Blazers, do you expect the Blazers to be active? And what does active mean to you at this for this week? Well, it means trying to get better. And I, I think Neil O'Shea realizes that this team has room to get better, but I also think that he probably feels a little boxed in and what he can do. Sure. Um, the Blazers love their top eight players. Um, you know, that's the starting lineup plus Trent Mello and Ennis. I don't think they're going to tinker with anybody, anybody in that top eight. So his goal or his missive is to, make the ninth player better because Terry will play nine guys, maybe eight guys in the playoffs, but it's nice to have a good set nine players. So making that ninth player better. And that's means you got to find someone better than Rodney hood, Nasir little or Anthony Simons. Uh, my sense is, is that Neil wants a wing, uh, a wing who could shoot and defend. But those are so hard to come by because everybody's value. Yeah, everybody's valuing them. So um, I don't have this from anybody within the Blazers, but I, I think LaMarcus is a great fit. I, I really do. I still think he has something in the tank. Uh, I think he would be great in those small ball type lineups that Terry is kind of gravitating toward. And I think it would be just a great story. I would love to see LaMarcus and, and Dame reunited back in Portland. Um, I think that I think LaMarcus Aldridge on this roster elevates the Blazers a notch. Yeah, I, 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 it'd be just like talent wise. Like, I, I know he hasn't looked very good this year, but just like if you're just saying talent upgrade wise, like, I, I have to agree with that. I do think that it, 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 that LaMarcus thing throws this wrench into the stuff we've already been discussing. Like he's mostly going to play center. Like it's hard to play him mm-hmm. at power forward. Um, it's hard to play him next to Carmelo Anthony at center too. Uh, there'll be some uh, slow guys from the early two thousands. But uh, if, if you bring in uh, LaMarcus, it means that you might end up closing games with no Nurk and no Ennis. And I know Ennis is probably comfortable with that, but it's like, it's, it, it throws, you want to upgrade the roster as much as you can. You can't worry about egos if you're trying to get better, but like there is, there are political stuff. There's like stuff involved with adding a player of his caliber. And um, he would, if you bring him here, it would be the expectation that he would play. So um, it, it bumps other guys out of the way. So I think there's more to it than just sort of like add this good player. Um, but well, yeah, obviously, I mean, if they signed him, they, they would have that discussion of this is what your role would be. You know, Neil is very good at that. I mean, he yeah, had to do absolutely. it with, with Carmelo, you know, like, look, this is what it's going to have to be. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Uh, 
And I think so, he did it with Ennis the first time where he said, like, if you come here, you're the backup center. Like, we're going to create this spot for you. So please join, you know, join us. I think both times. Yeah. Both times. He had to convince him to come here and, you know, wave his, uh, uh, his kicker. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I think if LaMarcus comes here, he'll have a full understanding of what his role is. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I just think they they improve with LaMarcus on the roster, and I think it's good to have options. Um, and I'm not so sure that, you know, there's times where uh, – oh, and th- this is the other thing is that with that small lineup, I think it helps in that Covington can go from playing the five and you can put him at the three. Totally. And have LaMarcus be at the five, Mello at the four, and Covington at the three because those small lineup, I, I get nervous when you, you put Portland up against the Lakers or against the Clippers. And with that small lineup, you're having Gary Trent Jr. guard Le, uh, LeBron or Kawhi. And I just don't like that. But yeah. You put I, Covington on that, and I, I can see them holding their own. You know who else doesn't seem to particularly care for that is uh, Terry Stotts. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he hasn't played much of Dame CJ Gary Trent. Like we just, I expected to see it a lot. Obviously injuries have, have been there, but he hasn't really, he hasn't gone to that trio very much. Um, and if he doesn't trust it, it doesn't matter what the roster looks like really. No, I think he has Mike. That's, that's, well, I mean, we're only seeing a small sample size. Since yeah. CJ's I guess it's back. like over the last week, we've seen it more. I just like before mm-hmm. CJ got hurt, those first few games, we didn't see it very much. Right. And I thought we would more. So uh, you know what? Well, I'll, we didn't see any small ball before CJ got hurt. That's right, what I'm we saying. Didn't even see I, the, we didn't even see that wing trio, you know, um, where we, where those three guys would be the three guard lineup. We didn't really see it very much. They played very, very sparingly. Obviously that was like 10 games to start the season. We're still trying to figure everything out. So maybe I'll hold back my, my criticism of that, but like, no, that, I'm telling you, that is the plan. That is the way the Blazers have got together and decided that our best lineup is Dame, CJ, Trent, Mello, Covington. That that unit can be similar to what Golden State had with their death lineup. It's small, five shooters. Uh, you know, the defense is where the, the separator between right. Golden State's lineup right, right, right. and Portland's. But that is what they have identified as this can be something. This can be our little, you know, I'm not saying they're going to play uh, half the game together, but this can be a thing. And uh, that's what they're going to be getting toward as, as the season rolls on. Well, I guess my complaint here is let's bleep and see it then y'all. Um, this is, uh, I've, I've kind of uh, have come after Terry a couple of times for this. It's just like, you have a roster that's built a certain ways. Uh, you know, Evan Turner was on the team to play next to Damon CJ. It took, Two and a half never years happened. to get him on. It took two and a half years to get him on the court together, and then he broke his. Yeah. Evan broke his hand. And we never saw it again. It's like you, you just you, you play the groupings you have so you know what it looks like. Because how do you give Gary Trent Jr. all this damn money if you don't know if he can play next to your two best players? Um, there's yeah. it's so I, I've been critical of it. I'll, I'll I maintain my criticism <laughs> even if that is the plan. I'll wait to see it and then I'll dial it back. Uh, we you kind of touched on this a little bit. Blazers are, you think they're more likely to go buy out than trade. You don't think there's just because of sort of what they, what they 
the eight guys they like and plus what they have to trade behind behind that you do you see them swinging a big trade this week i don't because i don't see a lot of teams you know being interested in rodney hood right uh and, and giving up value for you know the only the only great thing about rodney rodney's situation is he has an expiring contract uh-huh. Um, but it's not so huge that I think it's going to be a difference maker for some teams. But uh, so, you know, other, other than that, you're, you're trying to piecemeal together a Nasir Little, you know, 2.5, Anthony Simons, 2.5. Uh, no one's going to take Zach right now because of his injury. Uh, so, you know what I'm saying? All those contracts, all those tradable guys are – on such small contracts that it's hard to really get anything back in value. Yeah. Agreed. And if they're not willing to move off of a guy like, you know, throw Derek Jones in the mix to make it happen, then they're not, it's, then it seems unlikely. And like they would have to get a significant upgrade to, to consider that obviously, because um, what they have sort of built here or what their vision of building here is with that sort of that length and switchability on defense. It's uh, right. I, I agree with you. I think, I think they're unlikely to swing a move. Although like, you know, for, for uh, sort of search engine optimization purchase purposes, I need you to just say Aaron Gordon's name like 10 times right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how that works out in any way, shape or form. Uh, Cause what Aaron makes 18.1 million, I think. Yeah. So that, so that means you're going to have to include like Nurk at 12 million uh, or Jones. And I, I just don't, yeah, I think I mean, you could get some sort of like Rodney, Zach Collins, and Anthony Simons, and I think you get close. But like, is that a package that Orlando <laughs> or- wants? Why would Orlando do that? Yeah, yeah no, exactly, exactly. The, the math doesn't seem to work out. It's like you can't if you could just yeah. give them bad injured players, then um, the trades would be much easier. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, it, it to me, I don't see it happening. Um, but listen, I. I need the I need the listens, Jason. I need to, we need to up our viewership. Okay, I need you to make some. Yeah. I need you to make you some bold but proclamations. Neil is pretty creative, and and he's shown you know that he's willing to get involved as a third team, and uh, so you know I I think there are probably ways. I'm I'm not smart enough to figure out the nuances and how he can get around things, but uh, he's shown that he can be pretty creative. He's a great in-season roster tweaker. I think it's what he's best at. Uh, I think the thing he's best at is saying, I built this roster. I need to make a small in-season adjustment to improve it. And I think yeah. he's he's shown, um, except for, you know, Aaron Aflalo seven years ago. And even then that was everyone liked the deal at the time. Like he's that he's been able to identify and and make little changes, even ones that seem lateral like Trevor Ariza and, and improve the roster at the deadline. He's good at it. I think Neil is really sharp. Uh, I think he's, I, I, I think he's the smartest GM that, that I've covered in that. I'm saying that even over Bob Whitson. I, I have a ton of respect for Bob Whitson. Um, I think Bob was incredibly sharp and uh, I think what both Bob and, and Neil have is uh, foresight. They're, they're not just wor- working on right now. They're saying, okay, if I do this, how's this going to affect our team two or three years down the road. They all have always have a plan and are always kind of adjusting on the fly of what that plan looks like. Um, or not adjusting on the fly, but staying true and, and being cognizant of, of what this team is going to look like down the road and financially, structurally, 
all that. And I, I just think, I think Neil's really, really sharp. Yeah. I mean, it's, he has to work on multiple timelines, right? Like he has to figure out how to make this team better in May, but he also has to figure out how to make this team better in 2022. Like it's it, yeah, and 2023. I mean, it's, it, and then like, it's, um, it's the decisions he makes can't just be for six weeks because uh, they've got a bigger, they have to, you know, they have to, they have to be competitive now and into the future. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's clear right now he has two iterations of this team. And, and this is a really difficult thing to be in the NBA where you have a current group that is contending. And yet you also have a young group that is developing and has promise. I mean, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Gary Trent, uh, Zach Collins, Harry Giles, maybe, you know, in there, but he's got two different groups of blazers that at the same time on two different timelines. And that that's pretty hard to do. Can you do that? Well, he's doing it right now. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're whatever fifth in the West. They're pretty darn good. Yeah. And that, that's, that's not a bad uh, young group coming up, you know, Anthony, Gary, Nasir, Zach, Throwing a center, whoever Giles, you know, that's a next starting five that wouldn't be that bad in four or five years, I think, three or four years. Yeah, you better. You better I don't know that timeline up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just think um, I I just think there's it's a big it's it, like if the goal is championship, it's such a big hurdle, man. It's just like uh, you can to get. I guess uh, why I said like, can you do that is let me, let me be clear as opposed to sort of vague in that question is like, it is hard to have enough top end talent to compete for a title and also have developmental parts that um, can make you competitive in the long term. And that most of the teams that, that are. Um, well, he's pretty close to that right now, Mike. You think they're close to a title? I don't think they're miles away. I mean, I don't, I'd like to see how good Nurkic is going to be. If if Nurk can get to peak Nurk, this can be a pretty damn good team. Yeah, I I, I don't know they, if their title continues. You know who knows? Right, right. I think right, you're right. going to need some luck. You know, LeBron got hurt. That's going to be big. Yeah, every every title team uh, needs luck. I, I absolutely. Yeah, but I don't I, I don't think it's you know ridiculous to say this team is has no shot at at the title. I I think they're I don't want to call them contenders, but I think they're in the mix. Sure. Yeah. I'm worried that this defense is not good enough to play, to win four times against the best teams in the league. That would be my concern is that the totally. defense. But again, we need to see what Nurk, how this team plays with Nurk. All right. Listen, I'll have you back on the podcast in April 1st and I'll. <laughs> <laughs> no, May 1st. The, oh, sorry. Nurk May 1st. Be, I'm, I've know, got my t- yeah, yeah, the yeah, sea yeah. legs under him. Yeah. Okay. May 1st. You know, and I'll, I'll because, still, I will still come with this pessimism and you can try to talk me out of it. Because when Nurk was playing this year, a lot of things have changed. Covington's a different player now. I think sure. Jones is much more comfortable. Uh, they're going to a different style of, of play as far as uh, their backup units. Yeah. So, Melo looks better. Like he, he's figured out yep. where he fits. I think absolutely. That's undeniable. Yep. So I, I'm going to be really, really curious. I, the whole whole season I think hinges on what kind of player Nurk is going to be when he comes back and, and gets his sea legs under him. 
all right, I'll find Jason. You've convinced me as with all your wisdom to be patient. Um, although my, 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 whatever my, my heart tells me to be a pessimist. Cause that's who I am. That's who I am deep down. So, and, and this is what, you know, to, to kind of put a bow on this, like what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast about, yeah. I can't decide if this team is good or if they're terrible. Uh, one thing that is interesting is with their defense, they're like 12th in the NBA in clutch defense. So in close games, they have shown that they can kind of nut up and, and kind of answer the call. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it, we've seen it twice this week, uh, you know, against New Orleans and against Dallas uh, yep. in the last six minutes. You know, Dallas had 13 possessions and scored only 12 points. Uh, New Orleans, 12 possessions, seven points on their final 12 possessions. So that tells me that, you know, that might be the formula for this team. Uh, Stay, their offense is going to keep them in almost every game. And can they just, you know, in that six, seven minute stretch of a game, uh, can they play that great defense? And then you have the greatest closer in, in the NBA, Damian Lillard, to, to rescue you. It, it, it reminded me of the, uh, the Blazers-Dallas playoff series in 2011, the year that, that Dallas went uh, on to win the title. Yeah, Blazers beat and, them twice in the, that series. Right. And I believe it was game one. It's either game one or game two at Dallas and Portland had a lead in the fourth quarter, but like over the last five minutes, Dallas just clamped down and they had that gene in them, the, the, those Mavericks where it's like games on the line, let's D up. And over the last five minutes of that game, uh, they turned it. And I think the Blazers, I don't want to say they're there yet, but, they're starting to show that gene, that trend, that games on the line, we can nut up and hold our ground and get the stops when we need to. And I think that's very interesting. Nope. 12th in the league in clutch defense. So that's, you know, what is it? Last five minutes of the game within yeah, five w- points? Yeah, within five minutes. Or with last five minutes within five points. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's nut cutting time and, and they've been a pretty decent team in those situations. And, you know, I've outlined before, I think it's up to six or seven games now where the game is on the line. They need one stop and they win the game and they've come through on all seven of them. And I think Covington is like responsible for four of them. Yeah. He's like three steals on a block in those last little bit. Yeah. And, it, and good defense and a, on Pascal Siakam. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that is, I think, what the Blazers kind of have to embrace right now, that, you know, we're probably not going to be a top 10, top 15 defense overall. Top but, 20. <laughs> but we can defend when it matters. And, and we're going to have to embrace those moments that, okay, here we are, guys, fourth quarter. Let's, let's turn it up a notch. Yeah. Um, because I just don't think they're solid enough to do that over 48 minutes. No, um, not close. So, so that's that's what uh, you know. Getting back to you, you doubting their 
their championship uh, medal. You're probably right, but if there's a if there's a loophole in this, it's that it's it's that they can defend when it matters. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Uh, I had actually in my notes written that that, that Terry Stouts called a timeout with eight minutes left against uh, Dallas. Came out of timeout, started trapping pick and rolls with Luca, and that to me that was when the momentum changes. Right out of that timeout, they said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play more aggressive defense." I don't think they can um, trap that way, and that was with Cantor on the court. Right. I don't think they can trap that way all 48 minutes. Like I just don't think they're. It's, it would take too much out of them. I don't think they're connected enough to do it, but it's those little moments where they say, let's lock in yeah. on this one guy. A burst of energy almost. Yeah. 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 It, it was the same thing against New Orleans too, Mike. You know, he said he was trapping Ingram and, and Zion the whole game, but you could see, I mean, it just jumped off the TV screen, the activity and the intensity of their traps in that final six minutes against uh, New Orleans. Totally. I mean, Terry, you can call for it, but uh, we watched the players play and they did it better in the fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's sometimes Terry will push back on things. Like I asked them to do a certain things. Well, they didn't do it, pal. Um, yeah. I just think that seems to be a, a, to me, that's, I guess why I'm, I'm resistant still is that's like a thin, a really thin margin for error. And I guess like that's how championships work is that you have a thin margin for error. Um, and I don't see on this team, um, Hall of Famer, Jason Kidd, uh, elite switchable Sean Marion, although Robert Covington's making a case, or um, Defensive Player of the Year, Tyson Chandler. I'm not I'm not seeing that. Um, yeah, but I, but I get the idea, though. Like, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like that it's, it's they need to play deep. They need to be, their offense is really fantastic. Like, I think they're the number one offense in the league since the All-Star break. Two took a step back after scoring so few against Dallas. Um, probably got leapfrogged by the old Mavs. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think their offense is really good enough to to score and score consistently against anyone. So I, I agree with the formula. Like, I agree with your point is that if they can play defense for the final, you know, stay in it and play good defense for the final five minutes, play defensive playmaking the final five minutes, they can beat, you know, nearly anyone. Um, I just think that the bar for for winning a playoff series is really high. Um, and I'm at Right now, March 22nd, I'm a little skeptical. Mike, I just got some breaking news here. What do you got? Uh, today, 12 Trailblazers players received their first dose of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. Hey! Access to this excess supply of vaccines was through the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm actually I have some familiarity with this. Is uh, that Grand Ron is uh, has been having ac- excess vaccines and giving them out to citizens, not just the Portland Trailblazers, but citizens um, in the port in the Greater Portland area. If you sign up based on need, uh, my mm-hmm. mother-in-law actually is getting vaccinated tomorrow via this same uh, supply. Interesting, though, only twelve players. So they carry fifteen. They carry fifteen. Uh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the NBA, I just like for context for listeners, the NBA is really incentivizing players to get vaccinated one, I think just for, um, optics and two, because they're going to, they want to incentivize guys so they can relax a lot of their restrictions. So they can have, they can go out to more restaurants. They can have more people in their hotel rooms on the road. They can, they can just, um, have a more normal life. And so they're really saying, if you get vaccinated, you can like have 
uh, greatly relaxed restrictions on, on sort of what the rules are and come back to a normal life. So, um, yeah, good on the Blazers for um, taking that step. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks, Jason. Way to get a, sl- I assume that's a Slack update. Way to yes. have your Slack notifications on. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not, Jason, I'm not going to make you plug your stuff because I know it's your least favorite thing to do, but I'll do it for you. Subscribe to The Athletic to read Jason's work. If you're a fan of this team of the Portland Trailblazers and you listen to this podcast, the way you are going to learn more about this team and and both on the court and who they are as people is by reading Jason's work. He's He's been covering the team longer and better than anyone else. So subscribe to The Athletic. Don't think about it. Right now, they got a $1 deal for six months. So you could pay $6 to read Jason's stuff. He's definitely worth $6. I think he's worth more than that. But at a minimum, he's a six-buck writer. And uh, you should you should get in on it while you can. Jason, you might be a $10 writer, I'll be honest with you. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already are get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. Be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.